Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. We caught up with the great Jonathan V. Last in New Hampshire, where he's tolerating not just the brutal cold, but the brutal language from one Donald Trump. Uh, Jonathan, what do you think of Trump's attempt to reorient the language we use when running for president? Uh, well, it's amazing. And it's tremendous and classy and all the things we've come to expect from Donald <laughs> Trump. Uh, I, you know, in a weird way, it's like he almost over the last 48 hours, like he started having fun again. Uh, one of the things we, right. we've seen on the ground up here for this week is like in the immediate aftermath of Iowa, uh, Trump really looked like he was about to throw in the towel. He just, he, I mean, I went to an event of his that was 25 minutes long. I mean, wow. no kidding, a 25-minute event that people stood in line for hours and hours ahead of time for. Uh, and then he did literally 25 full minutes, including the question and answers. Um, and, and so there was a lot of very, very short events, him sort of breezing in and out. He canceled an event because of snow, even though there wasn't a whole lot of snow. Uh, and so it looked like all of a sudden the Donald wasn't having a good time anymore. And now I think over the last 48 hours, he sort of looked at this and realized, well, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to win New Hampshire. And all of a sudden I'll be the front runner. Nobody has taken a shot at me right. for the last 10 days. Uh, and well, maybe it's going to be fun to be a winner again. And I think that that's, that's really, and you saw that with his, uh, his expansive use of, uh, vocabulary and like it sounds, nobody sounds like he's having fun with the audience again, which he hadn't really been. Right. Uh, and I think that means that we're all in great danger. Uh, we're talking to Jonathan V. Last at theweeklystandard.com, who's in uh, New Hampshire right now. How do the crowds seem to respond to this? I mean, there's, there's this notion that running for president involves, I don't know, a certain amount of, seriousness you know you know what i mean like it's it to me jonathan and I, i've never had the job it seems like a pretty important job to me uh yeah you would think it would be uh but on the other hand i mean he is going to top out at probably like 30 or 27 percent here so i mean he's going to win but he's going to win with a lower share of the vote than either hillary clinton or bernie sanders is going to get on the other side so that's what i think is important to, to understand i mean the field is still so fractured that Trump can, you can lead commandingly right. with 27% of the vote. Uh, and that's why his real trouble, and the, the reason people have been skeptical all along, and I'm one of them, even when he was riding high in Iowa, the reason I was been skeptical of him being able to actually be the nominee is because his negatives within the party are still so high. It just looks like it's going to be awfully hard for him to consolidate his vote. He's got a very passionate core of voters, but he looks like he's basically gliding along his ceiling and has been at the ceiling for months and months and months at this point. Uh, what are the uh, actual campaign events like? I mean, are the crowds uh, raucous, loud? Are they asking tough questions? What, what's it like to actually be in the room? For, with Trump or with everybody else? With, every, with anybody. Uh, so very, very different. So when you're at a Trump rally, it is like a tent revival. Uh, there are, the questions are not serious. They're, they're all like, you know, thank you for standing up for us, Donald. And I just want to know how bad are you going to beat Ted Cruz? I mean, right. that's sort of, uh, that is sort of what you get at Hillary rallies. It's, you know, you don't get questions and you don't get a bloody clapter where people are, you know, I, I don't have a question, Madam Secretary. I just want to say you're such an inspiration to me and my daughters. Right. Uh, but it's different when you go to uh, a Jeb event or a Hiller, uh, I'm sorry, a Jeb event or a Kasich event. 
uh, or a Rubio event or a Ted Cruz event, then you see actual questions. And so it's like you have these two parallel types of campaigns. You have campaigns which are movements and you have campaigns that are actual like campaigns where people are trying to like, you know, undecided voters come in and they right. want to ask questions about actual issues. And that's sort of it's funny that you have the field really divided in that way where so the Sanders people and the Hillary people, they are just what they are. There is no candidate shopping at those events. Uh, in, in the Republican Party, that's what Trump is like. And then everybody else is like what you normally see at these campaign events where you have, you know, half the room comes in because they basically support the candidate. The other half comes in the room because they're shopping uh, and you have interesting questions. Uh, we're talking to Jonathan Lass of the Weekly Standard. And that is an interesting point. For Hillary and Bernie, it's about getting the already decided to come with you as opposed to and the same for Trump, as opposed to what the other people are doing. Cruz is trying to fight with people who are leaning Rubio and Bush by saying, look, I know I'm more conservative than these guys. I know I'm more traditional kind of southern evangelical conservative, but I can still win where Rubio's making the case. No, 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 no. I'm the guy who wins the easiest over Hillary. And Bush makes the case. You owe it to me. My daddy, and my brother said you owe it to me. So uh, it's a different dynamic. He really, I, I have to say, I mean, it amazes me. George Bush had been running for president for George. Jeb Bush had been running for president for more than a year now. And when it came up at his rally, the rally I was at uh, in Bedford a couple of days ago, his response was, uh, I was born blessed. And for people who can't get over with it, who can't get over that, they need therapy. And I just wow. thought, like, th- this is the most unbelievably ag- no, right? It was, you know, he says, if you can, if you are bothered by the prospect of a third guy named Bush in the White House in the last 20 years, then not like, you know, you're wrong. I'm going to convince you or I understand, but I'm a different man. But right. you, there's something wrong with you and you need therapy. And I just thought, well, geez, if you were like on the fence about Bush, I imagine that has to put you over to the other side of it. Right. And, you know, there's been a lot of trashing of the voters in this cycle. And, and I say that as a guy who I plead guilty because I've been trashing the Trump supporters and I and, and I, I have to stand by it. I've, I've done it. I've been pulling the H.L. Mencken card. Democracy is the theory that the common man knows what he wants and deserves to get it good and hard. Uh, but it's different for some blowhard like me, Jonathan, or you. But when Donald Trump looks in the crowd at the debate and says, oh, you're all paid off hacks. You're all here with the big money donors. And Jeb says, you people need therapy. It's it's a different tone out there on the campaign trail. It wasn't that moment in the debate amazing? The, the, I don't know if you, are you a pro wrestling devotee, Michael? I, I am I, not familiar with pro wrestling in the least. I, I tell any of your listeners who like WWE, w, I still, it's always WWF to me. Um, that was pure Vince McMahon. I mean, that was like, you know, the heel with the microphone in the center of the ring insulting the crowd. You people in Cleveland are losers, you know, <laughs> get, to get a big pop. I've, I never imagined I would see that on a Republican or any sort of presidential mm-hmm. debate stage. And part of me just reveled in it and I thought it was awesome. And, uh, you could see why, you could see why Trump has a following. There are people who just look at that and say, my God, you can't do that on television. And he went and just did it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to ask you in a second to name your favorite sore loser ever in honor of Cam Newton and his horrible post game performance the other day. But before I do, I want to give you some tips about your social life, Jonathan Last. First, we'll start with Katrina Pearson, spokesperson for Donald Trump. I don't really think it's news that Donald Trump is not politically correct. Um, he did repeat what the voter says. You have the Donald Trump in the debates where he's serious and subdued. And then you have the Donald Trump who is, when he is out with his supporters, he is talking to them like he's at a friend's house. At a friend's house with Donald Trump, or maybe you're hanging out partying with Eric Trump at his local frat. 
You see these terrorists that are flying planes into buildings, right? You see our cities getting shot up in California. You see Paris getting shot up. And then somebody complains when, you know, terrorists gets waterboarded, which, quite frankly, is no different than what happens on college ca- you know, campuses and frat houses every day. And So here's the tip, Jonathan Last. If the Trumps invite you over for a party, unless you're ready to get called a wussy and waterboarded, I wouldn't go. Those are some wild parties they must have, huh? I, 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 yeah, I figured out the ticket for 2016. It's going to be Trump, Andrew W.K., <laughs> that's the that's the ticket. Punched right in the nose, party hard. That's it. Yeah, party party hard. That's okay. Right. So Cam Newton had a terrible post game event where he walked out of the room after losing. It was considered one of the great sore loser moments of all time. But I think in the arena politics, there are some other great sore loser moments. Jonathan last, uh, for example, Dick Harputley in running for Attorney General in South Carolina, who lost and said, "The people have spoken, the bastards." What is your nominee? Who is your nominee for the sorest loser ever? Uh, Chris Christie. I mean, Chris Christie really? decided that he he's going to finish with 5% of the vote here, maybe 7%. Mm-hmm. He's going to finish in 5th or 6th place, uh, maybe 7th place if he comes in behind Carly Fiorina. And he decided he was going to blow up Marco Rubio for no reason whatsoever uh, on the debate stage. It was an amazing – I would say people don't fully appreciate how big a moment that was to go – full aggro with a sort of like deep, I mean, this is the type of attack Hillary Clinton could not have hoped to pull it off any better than, than Chris Christie did from a guy who has zero chance to move on to South Carolina after this. Chris Christie will be out of this race probably by Saturday. I agree with uh, you about Chris Christie, but I disagree about the attack. Marco Rubio, that was, he, he flubbed it. I mean, that, that was a high and inside pitch, but there was no reason for Rubio to uh, take it on the head three times in a row. He could have handled I, that. And so I, I put that on Rubio myself. He should, he should have handled it. But, but again, to go after it, to, to try to pull, cause that, Sort of attack that is designed to poison the well for everything that candidate does forevermore afterwards. Yeah, I mean it's not a sort of one-off attack. It's right. it's like cutting somebody you know uh, deep on the inside and then they just bleed internally for months and months. Uh, so even if Rubio winds up as the nominee, that's going to dog him and hurt him for forever. Uh, uh, it, so you, I would say, it's a huge problem for Chris for Christie. If Jeb had done it, you actually could have understood it because Jeb has a chance to actually do well here, but Christie doesn't. Jonathan Last, live from New Hampshire. Thanks so much for the latest update on the primary. We appreciate it. You got it, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.